Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Opinions, your audio guide to thought-provoking arguments from a variety of the week's writers and thinkers. I'm James Pethokoukas, and this week I'd like to tell you why a guaranteed jobs program is a terrible idea. A guaranteed jobs program is a system of job assurance rather than, say, unemployment insurance. Basically, the government has an open-ended commitment to provide work at a living wage and with benefits to anyone who wants it. Now, some progressives are calling for the kind of large-scale public jobs programs not seen since the 1930s, where FDR used the New Deal to put people back to work during the Great Depression. In 1933, the federal government came to the help of local agencies which had fought... In those days, unemployment reached a high of 25%. But the dole was not enough. Good, sound men and women wanted to earn the help they got, to hold up their heads, to keep themselves from going rusty. Today, the unemployment rate is just 4.3%, the lowest number since 2001. At that level, we're probably at or pretty near full employment. Oddly, though, some on the left seem to think we're on the verge of a permanent jobs depression and that the only answer is to guarantee a job for anyone that wants one. Like my colleague here at The Week, Jeff Spross. Hey, everyone. Jeff argues that such a jobs guarantee could even be married to that other popular idea in liberal wonkdom, the universal basic income. James already explained what a job guarantee is. So, let me just give you a quick refresher on a universal basic income. A universal basic income is an unconditional monthly cash income to every man, woman, and child in the country. These are both good ideas. I say combine them. The government's job guarantee offers would become the minimum standard across the country. Private employers would have to beat it to hire anyone. So a job guarantee could enforce a national living wage, a national standard package of health benefits, a national work week, and on and on. More than that, though, a job guarantee would permanently tighten the labor market. Employers would constantly be competing for workers instead of workers having to compete for jobs. That would drive up wages, squash inequality, strengthen unions, and improve working conditions. But there's a catch. A job guarantee wouldn't help you much if you simply can't participate in paid work, which is a big problem for many of the people who make up the ranks of the poor. Think of the elderly, the disabled, students, children, caretakers, etc. A job guarantee also wouldn't empower you to simply leave the job market, even if you could work, to focus on things like raising a family or volunteer work that's been overlooked by policymakers. And that's where a universal basic income comes in, to fill that gap. Okay, so I understand the appeal of these programs. They're big, sweeping proposals, and they possess a kind of simple, straightforward elegance. In the case of a universal basic income, the government cuts everyone a check. In the case of a jobs guarantee, the government supplies everyone with a job and both offer a happy ending to the modern economic scare story of robots taking all the jobs. As Jeff suggested, the hope for job guarantee advocates is that the program would make Americans so comfortable with a much larger welfare state that a job guarantee would become a policy bridge to a universal basic income. But I'm telling you, the more you look at the idea of a jobs guarantee, the more it seems like a bridge to nowhere. A big, big problem is cost. A recent proposal dropped by the liberal think tank, the Center for American Progress, called for government to create around 4 million jobs. Each job would offer a living wage of around $36,000 a year. 
Now, over a decade, that plan would cost roughly $2 trillion. The more you dig into these proposals, the more questions you'll find than answers. Take the issue of the program's novelty. This isn't a case where government would fund jobs in reaction to some one-off severe economic shock, like how the New Deal responded in the Great Depression. The proposal from the Center of American Progress calls for a permanent plan with an arbitrary goal of, quote, maintaining the employment rate for prime age workers without a bachelor's degree at the year 2000 level of 79%, end of quote. There also seems to be little consideration given to the fact that these permanent government gigs could crowd out existing jobs. Maybe they replace existing jobs or jobs that would have been created anyway. Good luck figuring that out. And how exactly would Washington oversee all these jobs? They'd have to work hand-in-hand with local governments and private businesses, which sounds messy. And can you be fired from a guaranteed job? What's to stop people who already have a job from leaving and flocking to gigs where they can't be terminated or downsized? Obviously, in an ideal world, we would aspire to providing paying work to everyone who wants it. But the arbitrary, bloated, and probably ineffective plans of progressive think tanks are not the way to achieve this goal. There seems to be an assumption among many left-wing activists that mass unemployment is a given without government intervention. And maybe they're right. But isn't it just as reasonable to suppose that history will echo periods of prosperity and growth that followed previous economic depressions? And with smart public policy, our era's booming tech progress could be broadly beneficial for American workers. So before we get all defeatist about our jobless future, how about we work harder at creating productive, interesting jobs for the next generation of robots to take? And then more new jobs after that. More innovation and better education are really the only true guaranteed jobs program for America. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Opinions. Look out for new episodes every Tuesday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. For more of the week's selection of podcasts, including 7-Minute Explainers and This Week I Learned, go to theweek.com slash audio. Thanks to Jeff Sprosser for contributing to this episode. I'm James Pethokoukas, and thank you so much for listening. 